0: Coming up next on The Voice of Alabama Politics, retail numbers, they're up. Also, the B-Team takes a look at Alabama passes 100,000 COVID cases. And the Decatur Housing Authority's racist policies exposed. And we don't cotton the strangers. I guess they don't like black people either. All this and much, much more Coming up next on The V. Welcome to The Voice of Alabama Politics, where we tackle the tough issues, so you have the hard facts. I'm your host, Bill Britt, and today I'm joined by Jonathan Barbie, Republican stalwart and constable of Jefferson County, and our good friend. Morning, Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan. Morning. Good to see y'all. Also, my constant companion. Actually, we're gonna forget me there for a minute. Susan Britt. <laughs> All right. Nah, i never forget you.
1: You're always with me. It's yes, true. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Julian's always with me,
0: so. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've been on quarantine now for almost five months. It's like, it's not much different. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, exactly inter-
1: right.
0: Sorry about that. Interestingly enough, you know, you think that the era of housing discrimination is over, especially in the area of public housing, which is federally regulated. But the uh, HUD, which is the Department of of Housing and Urban Development, which oversees uh, public housing as one of their duties, they found that the Decatur Housing Authority, Susan, was using discriminatory discriminatory practices Mm -hmm. in placing all whites, nearly all whites, in one facility and all blacks in another facility, indicator, that they, they have been fined some two hundred thousand dollars for their discriminatory practices. Give us a little preview of what that's all about. I,
2: I mean, this is just outrageous. You got there's a high rise there that overlooks the Tennessee River, right? Right, and uh, and then there's a there's a some garden apartments that are over and closer to the black district. Ninety four percent of the people in the high rise are white while 100% in the more dangerous neighborhood where the garden apartments are, are black. Now, what we're understanding is that the placement, uh, they're they're making sure that they're placing the whites in one building and the blacks in another. Uh, And the witness to this is a guy that was on, a a black gentleman that was on the list for the high rise for over 2,000 days on a waiting list.
0: And one of the things, Jonathan, the way public housing works is that it's basically on a first come first serve basis. If you meet the criteria, you get in there. I mean, you got one high rise that overlooks a beautiful vista of the uh, Tennessee, Tennessee River. River. The other one is in a rough part of town. Uh, and, and, and again, HUD found that they were doing this based on racial profiling. Mm-hmm. And the one, one woman said, that well, blacks didn't like to live, in uh, you know, black people didn't like to live in high-rise apartments. They liked the garden apartments where they could sit on their front porch, and come and go as they please. It, does well, that sound you- like we're in two thousand twenty?
1: I was just going to say we're in, that you you took the words out of my mouth, Bill. I'm going to say we're in twenty twenty, um, and to hear something like this coming. Especially out of our state, it's so disappointing. I mean, it's just very disappointing. And obviously, you, there's really no other argument. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. So th- there's nothing that they could go in and say, "And well, this person didn't qualify, or this person didn't do that." It's about a hundred percent, man. I mean, that, yeah, I mean, that's not even that's not fifty percent. It's not even sixty percent. I mean, there's no way to argue about that. It's just it's it's pitiful. The the mayor of Decatur, Susan the
0: members of the Decatur Housing Authority all claim, we had nothing to do with this. You know, we we know nothing. We see no evil, hear no evil. One of the
2: board members said he has no control over it. I'm like, then why is there a board? I don't get it. Right,
0: right, right. Well, it's sad that, you know, and it's an isolated incident, supposedly. But again, in this day and time, that should not be something that we're we're seeing with all the unrest through Black Lives Matter and people crying out for social injustice. I had thought, you know, my mother worked in public housing for years and, and we had thought that type of discrimination had long been over. It should be. Uh, some good news this week. Uh, we learned that retail sales in Alabama are, are way up over where they were. They took a, a dramatic hit, of course, in March mm-hmm. and April, uh, but they're up nearly 6% over over last year, the, the last six months. Right. And the collections were down again for March and April, but they're up for May and June, which is right. very and, and positive. A
2: lot of those are for your online retailers too, Right. which right. a lot of people like us are ordering online, whether it's Instagram or whether it's Amazon, you know, there's. There's a lot of people, the, and that's good revenue because we are used doing the use tax. Instacart, almost. Instacart,
0: yeah. Oh, uh, I Jonathan. I know y'all y'all do a lot of online shopping
1: as well. We do. Uh, I, I've. I uh, wish I owned some stock in Amazon. I might consider doing that. <laughs> it's doing really well right now. I say that every day. Yeah, we order a lot through uh, Amazon. Uh, a lot and. Um, and then, you know, we have Publix next door, so it's just an easy trip for us to go right next door. We just mask up and do the hand sanitizer, but yeah, we, we get stuff like our, our, all our washing soaps and, um, you know, all the bathroom amenities and all that kind of stuff we get through Amazon and it's like drop ship. So, you know, there's a huge spike in retail and then mom and pop shops. Like I get my suits done locally. I buy my shirts locally and, you know, I mean, we, we've seen a good increase. And I, and I feel like the economy's coming back, but we have a long way to go. We do.
0: One of the, You brought up an interesting point. One of the things that Nancy King-Dennis, who's the spokesperson for the Alabama Retail Association, told APR is that the smaller retailers are, are probably doing better than the big box stores, mm-hmm. Susan, because people know the owners and they know their customers. And she also said those that pivoted, uh, you know and were able to uh, pivot during the pandemic and to expand their business whether it be online offerings or you know offering things that they had not offered in the past that those are doing much much better and it, it goes to the innovation mm-hmm. of small business. you can't be innovative with a big box store because yes. it's like turning a tanker. it takes a lot of time it does so they've really been doing well. Uh, using social media and, and that type to increase their sales. Of
2: course, if I were to go out to buy clothes right now, I'd much rather go to somebody I know, in an environment right. that right. I've trust, right. than I would to Walmart where there's no control over anything. Right.
0: Well, it's just, it's it's easier to
1: shop with folks, you know, right, Jonathan? We know that. Uh, that's, that's true. It's very true. It, you know, shopping local is important. It's important even if we weren't in a, in a pandemic situation. I mean, that's shopping right. local is the backbone of the community. Um, it has, keeps small
0: businesses running. And it's Alabama entrepreneurs like us and other folks that keep the economy going forward when the, the big stores aren't uh, supporting the local community as much. But we're going to have to leave it right there. You're watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. We'll be right back with more news. Okay.
1: Complete your 2020 census today. We only have until September 30th. Without you, Alabama stands to lose billions in funding, a seat in Congress, and economic development opportunities. It only takes minutes to complete. Go to my2020census.gov or participate by phone or mail. Be counted, if not for you, for those in Alabama who depend on you for a brighter tomorrow. The Port of Mobile is a crucial commerce center for the entire state of Alabama.
0: Activities with our shippers generated over $490 million in tax revenue for the state. We've generated 135,000 jobs by having a competitive seaport within cost-effective reach.
1: Thanks to the state's leadership, Alabama's only seaport is being modernized to ensure that we are continually competing on a global scale. For more information, contact the Alabama State Port Authority at ASDD.com. A lot can change in five years, except those smile lines you treated with Bellafill, because that's about how long Bellafill will keep them smooth and filled, five years. Now you can always look your best without all those injections, appointments, and costs. Bellafill is the only dermal filler that stimulates and maintains collagen growth long term. Now time is on your side.
2: Hey, man, what are you doing today? Um, playing the game. Thought I'd go out for a drive later, maybe. Text some friends while I'm doing it. Scroll through social media. Kill a
0: family 4 on collision. Cool, man.
1: Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation.
0: Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. As unfortunate as it is, we have passed another milestone in Alabama with the COVID-19 cases, Jonathan, of this past week the state went over a hundred thousand people who have uh, been infected by the disease. We are rapidly approaching 2,000 lives lost. Mm-hmm. We lost some uh, 1,000 Alabamians uh, last month. There are people that still think this is a hoax. 200, 200,000 sick or infected and nearly 2,000
1: dead is not a joke. It's not a joke. And, and I tell people, Bill, you know, I'm a Republican, so you know some, some folks think differently on the Republican side, but I, I'm one of the few uh, that believes that wearing a mask is a good thing and washing your hands, being careful where you go, not getting in super large groups. Um, the virus is real. My parents have had three friends die in the last 30 days. Like, good friends that they grew up with, um, uh, two of them were, were great shape, healthy people, and they passed away. I've had two of my friends, I had one call me um, yesterday that, that has it, and she's a respiratory therapist and works in a hospital. And she, she said that it is just, it's kicking her tail. And she's all, she also has asthma herself. I mean, this virus is real, and we need to, we need to take care and, and really consider uh, other people. That's the big thing. That's right. When you're wearing a mask, you protect yourself from, but you're also protecting yeah. other people. And, you know, uh, I just think we've got to take it seriously.
2: We do. Um. And, and, and what's disturbing to me is 52,213 of those cases were just diagnosed since July 10. That's what we're seeing from the July 4th holiday. Yeah. This is yeah. what the numbers yeah. we were looking for. Yeah. And now we're rolling into opening schools. We're rolling into Labor Day. Where are we going to go from there? I mean, it's... It, it, it's crazy. Well, what is the
0: thing? I'm sorry. I, it,
2: no, it's just crazy. One
0: of the it, things it, we have seen a little drop off in the last week or so, a mm-hmm. little drop off. But again, it's like what Susan says, if people are, and, and I believe that's due to the, the mask ordinance, because we see a lot of people wearing mm-hmm. a mask now that did not wear the mask before. But I think the mask ordinance has helped. Uh, what we're going to try to find out and know is how people behave over the Labor Day weekend, mm-hmm. and also with kids going back to school. It is a dangerous time. I mean, it is part of life as, as normal living now, I mean, but we still have to take every precaution we can to keep our neighbors safe, our families safe, and each other safe. This is, this is one of those times when we found out that our neighbor's health affects our health. Mm-hmm. And, and that's sort of a new new way of thinking. Here in Alabama, uh, not that we're not a caring folk, but it is
1: a new way of thinking. Uh, I, I, I think it's good. It really is, and let me tell you, it's it's we have to just all work together. And I know nobody likes it; none of us like it. I, I don't. I have asthma. I, I hate wearing a mask, but I, I do because I don't. First of all, I don't want to get sick. Second of all, I don't want if I were to be sick, I don't want to give it to someone else. Right. Um, right. But I But also, fall in line here: should the government force you to wear a mask? Well, no, the government shouldn't force you a masks, but you should have enough empathy um, for your fellow American to, to do that. Unless you have a serious health condition, COPD or something like that, that's understandable. What happened to me is I, I have a problem with my sciatic nerve, and um, I had to get a massage two, two and a half, three weeks ago um, after a chiropractic yes. appointment. And um, well, when, I, when I turned over, uh, the massage therapist had taken her mask off. And I was not only furious, but I was terrified. Of course, I'm okay now, yeah. three weeks later. But that was unacceptable. Um, but yeah. she didn't ask, uh, she just did it. And, and I, I was I was furious. And that's not fair to people.
0: Right, and the thing is, the government has to tell you to wear a mask when you're too dumb to do it on your own. But that's just my personal opinion. <laughs> yeah. uh, or stubborn. Or just stubborn, stubborn. Uh I want to change subjects here real quick. I, I, the Edmund Pettus Bridge, you know, which is the site of Bloody Sunday mm-hmm. where where uh, peaceful demonstrators were were beaten and clubbed in 1965. There's been calls to rename it after uh, Representative John Lewis, who recently passed away, who led that march mm-hmm. over that bridge. A California man who bears the name of Pettus weighed in recently with APR and said that he felt that it should be renamed, and he suggested it might be renamed <coughs> Bloody Sunday Bridge. Uh, He's actually a descendant. Yeah, he's a descendant descendant of Edmund Pettus and other uh, Edmund Pettus's other uh, relatives have said similar things that it should be changed. However, uh, I'm not sure. I think the local uh, folks down there should make that decision. Absolutely. Uh, I think the people who have been involved with the civil rights movement forever. And and probably white guys like me and you, that probably just need to shut up and listen, right? <laughs>
1: well, said, it should be it should be a local thing, right. for, and uh, you know, it, it being a local thing, um, you know, I, I I personally think that naming it after John Lewis is fine. I mean, if that's what they want to do, it's great. I mean, he did yeah. leave their marks, but it you yeah. know, it should be up to the local folks.
0: Yeah. People that were involved. Yeah, these are are local decisions generally best made by people who are closest to it. And like Susan said, people that were actually there and involved. I know that uh, Republicans are already attacking Senator Kamala Harris, who is uh, former Vice President uh, Joe Biden's pick to be his running mate. Uh, You can love her or you can hate her. Susan is a historic pick. Or vice is, president.
2: It is. She's the third uh, female to ever be on the the on a, on a ticket uh, as vice president. She is a black woman who who is also Indian and a woman again. Yeah. Uh, and uh, whether you love her or hate her, this is a historic me- moment in time.
1: Yeah.
2: Especially during the unrest right now. Yeah. Yeah. It well, John,
1: uh, when you say historic, you you mean as far as the Democratic ticket goes, correct? Correct. Well, yeah. I mean, I think of any. It, it, just matter. like Sarah Palin was
0: certainly a historic pick for
1: John McCain. Right. Uh, and it,
0: and I, I think
1: it's. I You're right. Think Thanks it's for correcting me on. Uh, I think it's a great thing. I mean, good for her. I don't agree with her policies, but I don't have any disrespect towards her, and I think she has achieved something great um, in doing that. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't knock someone for achieving something great, even if you disagree mm-hmm. with. That's right. She's got a heck of a resume. I I
2: may not agree with all of her policies, but she's got a heck of a resume.
0: Well, the first woman, black woman to run for president, (coughs) Representative Shirley Chisholm. She ran for president nearly 50 years ago. She said women didn't have a, a seat at the table, but they should at least bring a folding chair. So we'll leave it right there. You're watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics.
2: With the guys, do a little fishing. Of course, none of us will be wearing our seat belts. I'll lose control of the truck, wrap it around a tree, and kill us all.
0: Okay.
1: Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation.
0: Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Uh, Jonathan, I was telling Susan, we gotta mingle in some good news in with the bad news this week. It's hard to find this week. There's been a lot of bad news. Uh, For about a month, well actually several months, Eddie Burkhal, a reporter at Alabama Political Reporter, has been reporting on inmate violence, uh, inmate abuse, suicides and murders in the state prisons in, here in Alabama. And uh, at 1st of July, he reported on an inmate who uh, was uh, murdered, for lack of a better word, I mean, that's, that's the word that comes to mind, mm-hmm. when he was in custody. We, uh, we learned from insiders that this man had been put into a cell with a violent inmate, Susan, that no one was supposed to be placed in a cell with this inmate. He was placed in that cell. And what happens next is horrific. We published that and there was pushback from the Department of Corrections, but we finally received an internal review that said exactly what Eddie Burkhalter had reported that he was placed in that cell with a violent inmate before they could uncuff him. Jonathan, the inmate was beating him. He pulled the cuffs the through the the door and trying to defend himself. And then three police off uh, three correctional officers were egging them on, Susan, mm-hmm. and they pepper sprayed them to the point. That the man was saying, "I can't breathe."
2: They pepper sprayed him with three cans. Okay, now we're not talking about your little purse size cans here. We're talking about industrial size cans of pepper spray. And I mean, that that they they the officers knew that, that he shouldn't be in that cell. They they've known for doing this for punishment uh, of an inmate that, that they made mad or he's made them mad. And yeah, it ended up the guy basically suffocated to death on pepper spray.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, you're in law enforcement. Uh, we all have to follow the rules. Uh, this looks terrible.
1: Uh, you're right, it, it really does look terrible. And I'll tell you this, that um, it's unacceptable. Uh, three three large cans of pepper spray um, it, it could kill you. I mean, you know, they say it's non-lethal, but really anything can be lethal if used too much or used incorrectly. Um, and that, you know, having had some pepper spray, it, it, it will knock you out. And I couldn't imagine Perfect. three cans in a small cell with people fighting. Um, and the fact that the guards were, were egging them on a little bit, that's unacceptable. If, they, if that's truly what they found in the report, that's unacceptable, they should be fired. They should, actually should be brought up on charges. Um, and we've had a continuous problem in our prisons for ages. And I mean, ages. And yep. you know, the fed stepped in some years back saying, look, I'm gonna have to fix this and we, we just keep fixing a little bit and then asking for another review and fixing a little bit. There, there needs to be several things happen. And I think the first thing happens is we need to get some prisons updated, get new prisons. Second thing is um, we need to pay these guards better and hire better people because you get what you pay for in every line of work in this country. And if you're paying, uh, if you're paying prison guards after being there all day, risking their lives 15, 20 bucks an hour, Uh, I mean, it's just, and even hiring outside companies to come in, I mean, it's just, it's not acceptable and we need some changes. Well, and and Susan and I have both been very,
0: very supportive, like you are, of our correctional officers, men and women who daily put their lives Mm -hmm. on the line. There are a few bad apples. As always with any group. The Department of Justice recently released a report that said there is a pattern of excessive force and on, you know, from, from COs on uh, inmates. Yes, these are not the greatest people in the world. They wouldn't be in prison if they were, but they are still human beings with constitutional rights.
2: It comes down to a leadership problem. It does. That's the simple fact here. It's a leadership problem.
0: Now, the one thing that the Justice Department did find is that they have they have systematically Underreported or incorrectly reported uh, these incidents, like okay. the one that occurred in the prison with this gentleman. Uh, they reported it as a death by inmate on inmate. However, Jefferson County Coroner Bill Yates told APR in July that the inmate's cause of death is awaiting a text. Toxicology. toxicology report, but that the injuries suffered at the hands of the other inmate did not appear to cause enough damage that it would, it would cause him to lose his life. So he said, I don't believe we found any type of trauma that would explain his death. So I think there's some answers that need to be uh, 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 given by the Department of Corrections in this incident they did threaten APR for uh, releasing that that internal uh, report, but we were right already. So, Governor Ivy released a uh, public uh, service announcement this week, encouraging folks to take their census. Uh, we've lost uh, we lost mo- we lost the month of March and April, mm-hmm. where they did not take the census. right? And now they're cutting off the census a month early. So Jonathan, everybody's gonna have to scramble
1: to get their census filled out.
2: That we filled um, out ours online. Uh, yeah, did. we did,
1: we did. Yeah, and and, and you know, y'all can go to the 2020census.gov, fill it out, I encourage everybody to do it. We could lose 13 billion in funding from the federal government, our state, right. and we can lose a congressional seat, um, which is a big deal. We're gonna lose representation, we lose, we lose some electoral um, votes. I mean, it, it it's a big deal to lose that and lose the funding. So please fill out your census. Jonathan,
0: will you put that up on the screen so people can see the link to where to go? Absolutely. One of, one of the things our founders first duty, they said of the government was to take a census every 10 years to count everyone in the country so that we would know how how to reapportion uh, votes. Right, so everybody
2: has good representation. Yeah,
0: so because we are representative government, it, like Jonathan just said, if we do not have an accurate census, we will not have accurate representation in Washington, DC, in a number of ways. But Jonathan, I see you've got uh, your Trump mili- memorabilia all around you there. I do, I've got the
1: original Trump from the 2016 convention. Uh, got my newest Trump hat uh, got my Trump gold playing cards uh.
0: thank you for watching the V you watch us because we watch them <laughs>